0: This is Law for Community Workers on the Go, a podcast for community and health workers. We would like to begin by acknowledging that this episode was recorded and made on Gadigal land. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land and pay our respects to elders past and present. We acknowledge that this is Aboriginal land. Always was, always will be.
1: Having a Centrelink debt is a stressful experience. Centrelink will raise a debt if it believes you've been paid more than you're entitled to receive. But just because Centrelink says there's been an overpayment doesn't mean they're right. Sometimes they might act on the wrong information or incorrectly interpret the law. My name is Kerry Wright, and I work in the Community Legal Education team at Legal Aid New South Wales. In this episode, I talk to Catherine Boyle, Catherine is the Executive Director at the New South Wales Welfare Rights Centre. The Welfare Rights Centre is a specialist legal service helping people across New South Wales with Centrelink problems, including debts. Catherine will talk about her burning issues and how community and support workers can help clients with Centrelink debts. So, Catherine, what is your burning issue?
0: Well, my burning issue is Centrelink debts. And I really wanted to go on your podcast so that I could communicate to community workers about how uh, Centrelink debts work, a few cautionary tales about what to avoid with Centrelink debts and um, where you can go for help. What type of legal help does the Welfare
1: Rights Centre provide?
0: Okay, so the Welfare Rights Centre is a community legal centre that operates in New South Wales. We are a specialist community legal centre, one of about 13, I believe. We specialise in social security law and family assistance law. So we provide advice to people who have had their payments cancelled, have had their payment claim refused or have a Centrelink debt. It's a pretty complex area of law, which is why we're a specialist centre. We only deal with Centrelink related issues and not all Centrelink related issues. Um, Centrelink is also involved in decision making around aged care. It's under a different piece of legislation. So we don't do that area of advice. So anything that's under social security legislation or family assistance legislation and parental leave legislation, we will provide advice about. But what I will say is there's only three legal services in New South Wales that provide advice and casework in the area of social security law. And that's the Welfare Rights Centre, Legal Aid and Illawarra Legal Centre. Generalist CLCs do not provide advice in Centrelink matters. They will refer to Welfare Rights Centre or Legal Aid because the area of law is just so complex. The legislation Is diabolical. There is no way, other way to describe it, and that's why the welfare rights centre exists because it is such a complex area of law.
1: What is the most important thing that people can do if they find out they have a Centrelink debt? Yeah, well, particularly in
0: relation to
1: debts, the most important thing I think
0: is to get advice before doing anything about a debt. There's no time limit for appealing a debt, so as long as the person's in a sustainable repayment plan and the debt collectors aren't chasing. The person for the debt, there is time to gather evidence and look into things, do a freedom of information request, that kind of thing. So you don't need to rush in and appeal the debt straight away, as distressing as they are. When people get debt notices for Centrelink, particularly if they're substantial debts and we have clients that have had $200,000 debts, the average debt that we see is about $20,000. So they're, they're big debts for people on small incomes. So, yeah, it is very distressing when people get these debt notices and they want to naturally do something about it straight away. But I think for community workers is to reassure the person that something can be done, at least initially, and then to contact us and get some legal advice about the risks, pitfalls or evidence
1: that they may need in relation to the debt, which could really help the situation. So how do Centrelink clients get debts and how can community workers help? People can get debts
0: for many, many different reasons. There's as many reasons to get a debt as there is to qualify for a payment. And what I mean by that is, for example, if you are caring for an adult who has a disability, you can get carer payment. Now, if Centrelink later forms the view that that person is no longer being cared for by you, then they will raise a debt for that period of time which Centrelink says you were not caring for that person. So that's an example of one way you can get a debt. Another area of debt is what we call member of a couple debt. And that's a big issue. So where a person may have been receiving parenting payment at the single rate, which is a higher rate of payment for many years. And then Centrelink forms the view that that person was actually a member of a couple should have been receiving the payment at the couple rate, which is lower, or indeed should not have been receiving any payment at all because the alleged partner's income is now being taken into account and may preclude that person from receiving a payment. So member of a couple debt, study load debts, students has told Centrelink they're studying part-time, Centrelink forms the view that they're not, they raise a debt for the period that they say that the student was studying part time. Income debts, that's a very obvious one, obviously related to robo debts where Centrelink alleges that you did not report your income correctly each fortnight and they raise the difference as a debt. Yeah, there's so many incorrect calculation, incorrect start or end dates um, that, you know, based on incorrect information, there's so many reasons that a debt could be raised. One of the most important documents that we can have from a client, and this is something that we really encourage community workers to obtain is the debt notice, which is actually on the letter, not called a debt notice. It's called account payable. And it has a big amount in bold and a due date on it. And it can look quite scary because the due date is generally only 28 days away from when you receive the letter and people think they need to pay it in full. Now the first thing I want to say about that is that that due date does not mean you have to pay it in full. It means you need to contact Centrelink and discuss a repayment plan. So you don't need to repay it in full. But the other thing that's important about a debt notice is that it tells us the reason why Centrelink thinks you have a debt. It'll spell it out. It'll say between this date and that date, you were not caring for person X, therefore you were not entitled to a carer payment, and then it will list the amount. And that's really useful for us, particularly if the if the person is really confused about why Centrelink saying they have a debt. They'll think, but I have always been caring for this person. I don't know why they're saying that. And they may not identify that with us, that that's the reason. They'll just say, I don't know why Centrelink has raised the debt. So the debt notice is really important. And unfortunately, a lot of people, they get a lot of correspondence from Centrelink. They tend to not read it and chuck it in the bin, not realizing that these are important legal documents and you really do need to read them. So if a community worker has a client that's chucked out their debt notice, they can contact Centrelink and ask for a new one to be sent. And if they're having any problems with that, they can ask Centrelink what is the debt amount? How many debts are there? For what period are the debts? And what is the reason for the debt? And don't let the person at Centrelink who answers the phone speak too quickly. Keep asking them until you have a complete list and that will really make a difference when you contact us for advice because our advice will be that much more specific and tailored to that person's circumstances.
1: And how does the Welfare Rights Centre help? Okay, so there
0: are, in a sense, Two basic questions that we ask about debts. There are other things we need to think about, but there really are two basic questions. One is, should the debt exist? Has the debt been incorrectly raised? And two, assuming that a debt does exist, can it be waived under one of the waiver provisions in the Social Security Act? So, the first question, which is, should the debt exist? I've already uh, alluded to some examples, but for example, Centrelink is alleging you're a member of a couple, you're saying, no, I definitely was not a member of a couple and here's my proof of that. Debt should not exist. Centrelink says, I was studying part-time, I was studying full-time, debt should not exist. So that's the first question we're trying to answer. Assuming that a debt could or should um, exist, that is the circumstances that Centrelink is basically alleging are true, then we need to turn to the waiver provisions. Now a debt can be waived in full or in part, and there are two waiver provisions. The first one is waiver due to sole administrative error. In plain English, that means the debt was caused solely by Centrelink's stuffing up. There's no other way to describe it. <laughs> For example, person rings up and says, I am married now, please change my payment. And Centrelink does not record that and does not change the payment. Now, that can be hard to get around because most people should expect that their payment should change. And if they don't change, then the onus is on that person to contact Centrelink and say, hey, I told you I was married and you haven't reduced my payment.
1: Are Centrelink errors hard to prove? Well, in actual fact, it can be quite easy because you can
0: lodge a Freedom of Information request for the client's records and there are certain records of communications with the client where the client has either turned up to Centrelink, rung Centrelink, or even logged online and done something online. So they're not even speaking to anyone. And we can get those records. And often we can you'd be surprised for one thing what's in there. Like some of the records are quite candid. Client rang up to update her mother's um, travel plans, client in receipt of CARE payment. And it's just there and it's just a mistake from the Centrelink worker and it's, it's sitting there and it's quite clear evidence. Or the client might say, look, I remember attending Centrelink. I think it was March last year. We'll go through the Centrelink record. We go, oh, indeed, there's a record of the client attending. Now there might not be a record of the conversation, but there's certainly evidence there that backs up their claim that they attended a Centrelink office. And if the authorised review officer or the tribunal believes them, they can say, of course, well, this is what I said to Centrelink and this is what Centrelink said to me. So there's certainly ways that we can prove certain elements of what a client is telling us happened.
1: Can you tell us about the Special Circumstances Waiver?
0: The Special Circumstances Waiver is a very broad waiver provision within the Act. In essence, a person who has not knowingly made a false statement or failed to comply with their obligations under the Act, can have their debt waived if there are special circumstances which make it desirable that the debt be waived. In short, what that means is if there's something unusual, different, uncommon or exceptional about the person's circumstances, it may be waived. It's not defined in the legislation. There's plenty of case law On different ways that special circumstances has been applied but generally it's to do with a person's health family health it can be their financial circumstances but it can't be solely financial hardship domestic violence trauma whether historical or recent can all form part of domestic violence it's impossible to capture all the different circumstances so the most important part of this as a first step is trying to establish that the person hasn't knowingly done anything wrong. So if the person has clearly contacted Centrelink and provided information that was false and which the person knew was false, then that provision can't apply. Or, or someone else, if someone else has provided something false, and this is a very problematic part of this provision, The person with the debt may not have provided anything false to Centrelink, but maybe their partner did. So they are completely innocent of misleading Centrelink, but the waiver provisions can't apply because someone else did. And this is an area for law reform, but as it stands, it can be a bit of a barrier. This is an area where community workers can make a real difference because assuming you get over what we call the knowingly provision of the Act, what we need is evidence of special circumstances. So if there are health issues, gathering medical evidence. If there's domestic violence, gathering evidence of that. If there has been a death in the family, gathering evidence of that. And that can be quite challenging for a lot of our clients to do and quite distressing. And a community worker can make a huge difference in gathering that kind of evidence for an appeal. And we have worked with many, many community workers who have helped us in that process. So yeah, that's a really important provision. An example of where Special Circumstances Waiver has worked and where community workers have assisted a client. So this was Tina. Tina had a family tax benefit debt And the reason she got the debt was because her husband, who was abusive and controlling and violent, had sold a property and firstly not told her that he had, and then secondly, changed their shared bank account details so she couldn't access the accounts and therefore could not access the money. Now, that sale was included as income for that financial year, which meant that her estimate for how much family income was to be earned was way inadequate. It turned out, if you look at it objectively, that the family income was double that amount, which meant that for that financial year, she wasn't entitled to the family tax benefit that she'd received. Now she had been accessing community services and they referred her to us and they actually wrote letters for her which we used in our appeal to the authorized review officer and they accepted that she had no financial gain from that sale and never would because they'd since separated and were there was a property dispute between them and that there was abusive and controlling behaviour in the relationship and they completely waived the debt. The debt was $18,000. So that's an example of where community workers can really make a difference. And that debt would not have been waived, but for those two letters that she'd received from two different community organisations.
1: How do you appeal a Centrelink debt? So
0: if you want to appeal a debt, it's actually quite easy. All you need to do is ring Centrelink or turn up to a Centrelink office and say, I want to appeal the decision to raise the debt. That's all you need to say. You don't have to fill out a form. You don't have to make any arguments. That's all you need to do. My suggestion is about a fortnight after you've lodged your appeal is to contact Centrelink and make sure that they have it on their system. And then a few weeks after that, contact them again and make sure that it's been referred to an authorised review officer because appeals get lost within Centrelink.
1: And how does the appeal process
0: work? Well, in terms of how the appeal system works, there's an internal appeal process and an external appeal process. So. One of the things you can do rather than appealing is simply get the original decision maker, that's the officer within Centrelink that's made the original decision to raise the debt, to provide you with an explanation for the debt. And that may clear everything up. Either in terms of it being understood, yeah, look, there is a debt here and yes, it exists, and also, an opportunity to provide further information which may result in that particular decision maker changing their decision. So, you don't have to go through the appeals process at all. So, sometimes that's a good avenue to go down. But in terms of actually making an appeal, uh, the appeal is to an authorised review officer. They're a senior officer within Centrelink and they review all of the material before them that's relevant to the debt and they are quite knowledgeable about the law and how to apply the law to debts and they'll also contact the person with the debt to have a chat to them about what's been going on it's completely informal and indeed for a lot of the authorized review officer decisions that we see they haven't gotten through to the client and um, haven't had an opportunity to speak to them which is unfortunate may not have made any difference you know you'll never know but in fact a lot of people don't end up talking to the authorized review officer so What's really useful about an authorised review officer, if you don't succeed, is that if they confirm that the debt exists, even if they may change the debt amount, is they provide two, three-page letter explaining the reasons for their decision. And that spells out, in a level of detail that you don't get from the original decision maker, Centrelink's thinking on the matter which really helps with the next stage of the appeal. It's got a lot of information. He says, oh, they've looked up my lease. That's where they got that evidence from, which suggests that that other person on the lease is my partner. So you can see what they have, and you can see what evidence you might need to counter what Centrelink is alleging is the case. So it's a very useful, that arrow decision. Um, from... If you lose at Arrow, as we call it, if you lose at Arrow, you can then go to the external appeals process, which is to the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. That has two levels. The first level is the Social Services and Child Support Division. And that's, again, very informal. Um, you most often appear in person, but you can appear by phone. Um, Centrelink's not represented. The... Tribunal member is at a table across from you. There's not like higher benches or anything like that. And, you know, I've been to many of those hearings. They're very, very informal. And they will make a decision about whether Centrelink's decision should stand. And again, they provide reasons for their decision. Very useful document. If you don't succeed there, then you appeal to the General Division of the Administrative Appeals Tribunal. There's a time limit there of 28 days. And that's much more formal, much more court-like. Um, so that's the appeals process. Whether you should go all the way to the general division, you know, you should be definitely getting legal advice if you're anywhere near the tribunal. But, yeah, there are risks in appealing. There are two main risks. One of the main risks is that the debt could get bigger. Now, why could that be the case? few different reasons. We know that sometimes Centrelink can be quite generous when they're deciding on what the debt period is. For example, if it's a member of a couple debt and Centrelink is alleging that you were a member of a couple for three years, it's possible that in fact Centrelink suspects that you are a member of a couple for a much longer period, but hasn't really sought out the evidence or has given you the benefit of the doubt and only raises it for the three years. An authorised review officer might decide to take a closer look at the evidence or even gather new evidence and decide that really you're a member of a couple for 10 years. And suddenly a three-year debt has turned into a 10-year debt. Now, that shouldn't necessarily stop you from doing it. If you were not a member of a couple, then obviously you need to think about whether you will appeal But you need to do that with advice and know the risks because if you've gone to Arrow and a three-year debt has turned into a 10-year debt, the only thing you can do then is appeal to the tribunal and all the sort of effort and resources that needs to go into that. So you need to go into that properly advised. So that's why I would recommend, very much so in the case of people who have a member of a couple debt, get legal advice before you appeal. Another risk, it's a more minor risk and of course happens much less often, which is whatever evidence is gathered during the course of the appeal and whatever you talk to the authorised review officer about could be used by Centrelink to make a case for referring you to the Commonwealth Director of Public Prosecutions for prosecution for Centrelink fraud. So something that starts out as a civil debt could turn into a criminal prosecution it's rare but whenever we're advising clients about appealing debts we're always asking questions of the client with that in the back of our minds so that we can answer for ourselves and also ultimately advise the client about the risks of whether that that could happen and of course just to make sure that the client is aware of that possibility when they're thinking about appealing so they're the reasons why i think it's It's not a good idea to rush into appealing. It's to actually really think about the circumstances. Obviously, increased debts, prosecutions, don't happen that often, but it's certainly worth
1: bearing in mind. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you. Pleasure. There are a number of ways that you can get in touch with the Welfare Rights Centre. You can call them on 1800 226 028 during one of their advice intake times. This number is toll free if you're calling from outside the Sydney metro area. The advice times are Monday and Wednesday 9.30am to 12.30pm and Thursday 1.30pm to 4.30pm. If your matter is urgent, such as if you've lost your payment and you have no other source of income, you can call on the office number 02 9211 5300 to speak to a lawyer straight away. You also have the option to make an online inquiry through the website at www.welfarerightscentre.org.au. Scroll down on the home page and click on the link to make an online inquiry. There are also fact sheets on the website that you can download about a range of Centrelink legal problems. This information is also in the episode notes below.
0: Thanks so much for joining us today. If you enjoyed the episode and found it useful, please share it with your organisation, your colleagues and communities. If you would like to access any of the information spoken about in the episode, please see the links in the show notes below. Until next time, thanks from all of us here at the CLE branch at Legal Aid New South Wales.